Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports' longest-running football show. My name is Jack Donnelly and this is the show that goes over the biggest talking points from the weekend in football, analysing and discussing the most important stories from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. As always, I'm joined by some of Napier's finest on today's episode. and It's a bit of a milestone on today's episode. We've hit the 25th episode of the season, a quarter of a century through, and I'm very, very glad to have been joined for a lot of it by three of the men uh, sitting alongside me today and, and the rest of the diddies that couldn't make it. But because, because these three are here, I'm going to be a lot nicer to them anyway. Uh, we're starting, as always, with the man of many clubs, who I think has been a mainstay throughout just about every episode. I might need to go back and fact check it, but Struan Garvey, how are you, mate? I'm not bad. I've been a, I've been a football roundup loyalist for about two years coming up now. So that, but yeah, I'm not bad. Yeah, to be honest, you and, you and I were the initial two drafted in by the... With, uh, Greg O'Kerr and David Rooney. Now, one episode that season and then drafted in yeah. for the start of last season it's it's been a, it's been a long ride through and, and now we're kind of self-sufficient we've, we've grown a bit we've grown some legs and it's it's us that run it now it's a bit, bit interesting that isn't it a bit odd he's gone away he's literally, he's literally asking my question and it comes up on clean feed strewn has gone away i'm sure he's away just to collect his thoughts have a wee cry and he'll be back just so proud and emotional uh, we'll move on anyway because I didn't really have much else to say to Struan. Uh, we've also got Energy's resident quiz master joining us, Mr. Graham Sinclair. But th- there's rumours circulating that you might be potentially vacating your title later this week. Yes. Well, first of all, it's weird this isn't the extra time. But, uh, I'm, usually, I'm a regular on that one. You're, you're part of the furniture, you said. What a podcast. Best podcast, best podcast in energy. Don't, don't give Sean that. Do not give Sean <laughs> yeah. McGill that. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's a bit of quiz. We had a quiz for the year 2020 and I hosted it just before the new year. Tremendous quiz before. it was. It was like two hours long, I think. But it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Close to it, aye. Uh, and then on Thursday, it's going to be even better because Taylor Murray's taken the reins and it could be an absolute shit show. I think, I, I've got faith it will be, to be honest. I'm going to expect in it. I don't, I don't know what he's got planned. He's revealed absolutely nothing. Something tells me he's not going to have the same kind of intuition in terms of planning as you did with the end of the year one. I know. But no one can ever talk me. It's hard to follow the original. <laughs> as, as, it always, as it always tends to be. But yeah, we should have that coming out over, over the next week or so. I think Thursday night is quiz night, so we might have that up over the weekend depending on how well it goes. It could end up just being an absolute calamity, but we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, finally... Uh, we are seeing a return to the show from Napier's most dangerous left foot, Master Jamie McIntosh. How's things, mate? You all right? No! <laughs> this last week. Mate, I'm, I'm going off what I've seen. Yeah, it's pretty weak. No. Sorry, Jamie. <laughs> You've not been on the end of one of my left foot, uh, left-footed volleys yet. You can take that from Jack. Jack I have. <laughs> Jack just literally got scalped in the face that day. <laughs> it was terrifying. But you're well though, you're keeping well. Yes, we've had a nice uh, a nice productive morning lunch time sort of day at university from home, obviously. Obviously. And uh we've pitched our articles to uh our sports editor and uh, we've all got the go ahead, so we do, yeah, that's ready to get started on the first assessment of the next term. The first assessment of the next term after two weeks of yeah. classes <laughs> seems <laughs> 
it's getting harder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to do this anymore, lads. I'm not. I'm not keen. <laughs> I miss the old nine hour week. Nine hour week. I mean, in terms of class times, it probably is still about nine hours, but it just feels like a lot more, just with everything else coming on top of it now. It's a f- full weeks, boys. We're, we're we're growing up. We're getting far too responsible. I don't like it. What are we like? We're nine to five next. Oh God. That's that's just terrifying. It basically was last Monday, wasn't it? Yeah. Because <laughs> we had that until what half two or half half twelve. A little break, then back at two till three. We did this till four, and then we were straight on a Zoom meeting for another hour. Basically, did at ten ten till five. But you know what? It's all all part of the all part of the game, and it's tough at the top, as they do say, and that is where we're sitting at the moment. Uh, as always, just to move it on a bit quickly, we do start our show off with a big question. But because because it's a bit of a milestone episode this week for the 25th episode of the season, we're going to have two big questions. Uh, Graham came up, came up with one in the group chat earlier when I was struggling for ideas, uh, but then inspiration hit me like lightning after a conversation about Olivier and Cham in a group chat. So we're going to be having two. Great, Graham, would you like to pose your big question first, since you were the first one to come up with a, a decent subject matter? Yeah, I just thought, oh, you probably do this based on something that's happening, happened, or something that's happening. And I thought with the Supervision's win on Saturday at Celtic Park, I just wanted to ask the group what their favourite upset of all time is. Or a couple of upsets. couple of upsets. Uh, Struan, Struan, let, let's go to you first. Let's see what you're thinking for this one. Would you would you guys consider a big comeback in a cup an upset? Yes. So I know where he's going. <laughs> I'm I'm going for the Barca PSG game. I don't know you guys remember oh, that. Oh. <laughs> what did you guys think it was going to be? I thought you were just going to say the cup final. To be honest, I thought you were just going to say three words: Henderson to deliver. Like that's all. Yeah. I you oh, say. <laughs> if you guys are bringing that one up tonight, he <laughs> set us up. You set us up there. Hibs winning the Scottish Cup on the twenty first of May was quite an upset, I think. Especially given Hibs went 2-1 down and were not the favourites going into the match. And obviously I enjoyed seeing Hibs win something in my lifetime. Was that the first trophy that you'd ever seen them win in your lifetime? Uh, League Cup, but I can't really remember that, to be to be honest. Fair. Stephen Fletcher days, but um, yeah, so that, that was a very nice, that was a very nice day. I seem to remember as well, it was it was the gala day in, in our village and my granddad stormed away from it because he'd saw the score and obviously a Rangers fan, so that was, that added to the enjoyment, I guess. Very pleasing. Uh, I, feel, I feel like we consistently keep coming back to the Scottish Cup final on this podcast. <laughs> That's all I've got. <laughs> Fair, yeah, can't, can't argue with it. Uh, Jamie, how about yourself? Um, I'll take you back to, I think it was January, January 2006. Uh, it was a oh, Scottish wow. Cup game at Broadwood, and it was a certain Roy Keane's Celtic debut. Uh, they were beaten 2-1 by Clyde in the uh, in the, the, in the Scottish Cup, and um, yeah, Hearts went on to win it, so that was quite a, a memorable upset. I quite, quite like that one. Uh, Craig Bryson, I think, scored that day. He went on to have a a pretty good career. Um, mm-hmm. And just the fact it was Roy Keane's debut, I thought it was quite amusing. Not a fan of Roy Keane, Jamie? No, not, as, not necessarily that. I just, uh, I don't know. I just, it was it was considered to be such a, a kind of big signing. I think he, I don't think he was captain. 
think Lennon would have still been captain. But uh, no, just because it was it was built up quite a lot, and obviously to go and lose to a lower division team in the in your on your debuts, uh, not a great start. So quite a quite a funny uh, funny game of football. Funny indeed. Uh, I'll I'll go next since uh, it was Graham that posed a question. Uh, I kind of had a few thoughts on this one. Uh, Air don't really cause many upsets, so there weren't really. I mean, could you call? The f- the first Ayrshire derby I went to an upset. It was stupid. Like, was that the one 0 game? M- aye, middle of July, like two days before my eighteenth birthday on a Friday night, watching Andy Gigg and Power Header in, and giving Air a one 0 lead. Ah, that was an upset. That'd be an upset. Uh, th- that that was, that's there for the occasion. I think it was bigger though. It was there there is bigger. bigger. There will there will have been bigger. Uh, Chelsea. It's it. For the most part, it tends to be. Whoever beats Chelsea tends to be an upset, and that's just kind of the way the club's been built up over the over the years. But their kind of comeback win against Napoli in the Champions League winning season at Stamford Bridge, the four one game, that was that was enjoyable. Uh kind of everyone thought the tie was kind of done after the first leg, and then went on to win four one, and obviously go on and win the whole tournament, which in itself in itself is an upset. I quite enjoyed Iceland beating England in the, in Euro twenty sixteen. Purely for the Steve McLaren clip on Sky Sports, I thought that that was genuinely fantastic viewing. I really enjoyed that, and I think uh, what's another one that was good? Greece winning Euro two thousand and four. Just overall, that that was that was quite a quite an enjoyable upset to kind of be aware of. I wasn't really watching it too closely at the age of five, but. I just remember that that was a bit of a shock. My dad was my dad kind of told me that oh that shouldn't have happened really. I thought, oh, it was that's... quite shit house though, wasn't it? The football they played, they played pretty uh, pretty shit house football. I mean, we can get behind that, Scotland fans. Ah, I suppose shit house football. Win at all costs. Win at all costs, exactly what it was. Well, Jack, you actually have mentioned both the ones I was going to say. Oh no! In the Iceland, England. I just I said that the ups the combats are okay. I changed my mind. I think. Nah, let's pick some ditty teams <laughs> against big teams, which suits you because all you support the ditty teams, so it's easier for you to think of. Way. Uh, but I had Iceland England because of the arrogance of the English media and England losing games. Like England, England always get out of the group stage. And like, oh, we'll be playing, we'll be hoping to avoid Germany in the semi finals. Hopefully they get knocked out, just forgetting that they've got a game against somebody before then and they got beat by Iceland. That was amazing. Tremendous. And Greece was tremendous because we've had it before when you guys were in Spain. I was in Greece when Greece won it. And that was scenes, just like a parade down a natural parade down like the streets and the island, the roads, flares going off everywhere. It was amazing. Fantastic. But since you said that, I feel like I should add one more of my own because you said both mine. And one of my early football memories is uh, the opening game of the two thousand two World Cup, where Senegal beat reigning world champions and turn comfortable tournament against France in the opening game of the tournament. Papa Papa Bibadio, oh, gave a side that mostly players that played in the French league, beating the French superstars that always play outside France. It's quite poetic in itself, isn't it? Just the whole French league and French stars connection. Aye, that, that that's a good shout. I'll I'll chuck in one that involved Chelsea, but Bradford beating Chelsea four two. Yeah, I was just I'm just FA looking Cup. at this on the screen now. Uh, I never knew Andy Halliday scored that day. Did he? I don't know. I remember. Halliday I just remember. Technically, that's a winner, isn't it? Yeah, technically, yeah, technically. I remember I was at Power League in Kilmarnock with my mates, just kicking, just 
playing playing football that afternoon and I saw Chelsea go 2 0 up and I put my phone down for the rest of the day. Checked it on the way out the door and saw we'd lost four two. I just didn't know what to say. John Stead stole the show. Absolutely. Uh, we'll move on to the second one actually. The second of the two big questions that we came up with this week. Uh a celebratory episode and all that. Uh, as it's as we're recording on the deadline day for the January transfer window, uh, I'm keen to know what everyone's kind of favourite bit of business or the best bit of transfer business everyone's seen. So that can involve selling a player on, replacing them with a player. That can involve getting a bigger fee than you paid. That can involve just signing a player on a cheap. A- anything that you can think of in terms of transfers. Uh, Graham, I want to come to you first. Yeah, the one that sticks out to me is Liverpool signing Philip Coutinho from Inter Milan. Cost him around eleven million. He was one of Liverpool's best players for five years, and then we sold him for one hundred thirty billion. And now he's doing rubbish. Doesn't really get much better than that. One hundred twenty million pound profit in a player that's funded Van Dijk, funded Allison, won as a league title, won as a European Cup. Doesn't really get much better than that. No, it really doesn't. It it, it really doesn't. Uh... Coutinho is definitely one that I was kind of surprised the fee that he commanded almost, the, the fee that ended up getting paid for him, I was a little bit surprised at how much it was but then seeing how it got reinvested I was quite jealous of how well Liverpool managed that situation because he just kind of built on the loss of one really good player and bought and arguably two greater players in terms of what Liverpool would go and, and achieve so fairest of play uh, Jamie, how about yourself? I've got two for you. I'll give you a high one and a low one. Um, one involves Chelsea. Um, I think Alvaro Morata managing to pretty much make our money back with Alvaro Morata um, when we sold him to Atletico Madrid. I think we signed him for £60 million from Real Madrid and uh, I think we sold him to Atletico for um, something like €65 million Euros or something, so uh, relatively similar. Um, so I think that's pretty good business because he didn't really hit the ground running and considering we spent 60 million that's a, that's a lot of money obviously so the fact they managed to make their money back on that I think was quite good business uh, and I'll also give you a cheap one uh, Glenn Kamara um, I think deserves a mention good shout, in this. Yeah. Um, Rangers paid Dundee like £2.45 or something for him and uh, <laughs> he's, he's come in and done very well obviously um, very important in the midfield role and I think if and when Rangers choose to to um, sell Glenn Kamara um, I imagine they will get some more than that more than what they paid for him I like that I like that Glenn Kamara I think was it 300k the, the fee Graham am I right in saying that for Glenn Kamara or no it was no it was, it was like 50k or something it? Yeah. I don't know where I, where did I take 300k from 50p Glenn Kamara <laughs> <laughs> and now we're looking at the fact that he could probably the player he's probably three, one of the top three players that Rangers are getting most money for how much do you think you could command for Glenn Kamara should you sell him on well, I, I think they could get about 15 for Glenn Kamara. I think he's that good. <laughs> I said, That's I think, a lot of money. <laughs> I think Glenn Kamara, well, you look at the, Glenn Kamara is what, 24, 25, still very young. I think he's, a player, that, he's a player that, in Rangers team, if you said which player could adapt to a big league or a big club, easiest, and Glenn Kamara would fit in seamlessly. I think his only big problem is that he's not going to be an instrumental team that has to bash down a blow block. It's something the Rangers have to deal with often, and you see going commander in Europe how influential he is with space, mm. and he'll get more of that if he moves to one of the bigger leagues. 
So yeah, I think I think Glenn Kamara could play for a big team. And I think I think you, I think you can get a fifteen for him. I'll just say contracted, if you... <laughs> contracted to twenty twenty three, I think. So if Rangers do choose to sell him, they'll uh, certainly won't be going as a free agent or anything. They certainly will get the opportunity to mm-hmm. get some decent money for him. You would imagine. Yeah. I'll just say if Glenn Kamara goes for fifteen million, Rangers get three hundred times back what they paid for him. <laughs> That's quite good. Is that quick maths, or did you use a calculator for oh, that? Oh, I definitely used a calculator for that. <laughs> Notice how quiet I went when Kim was explaining that. I think you were a bit surprised that I said that for you there, but I, I don't think it's outrageous. I really don't. I, I mean, in this day and age, it's probably not. You're no, right, yeah, definitely. Just when you pay 50k for, yeah. for somebody, it just kind of comes as a surprise. It's not money we see a lot in Scottish football. Definitely not. This guy costs this much, as how, this is how much this guy costs. It's a pretty futile thing to do, but... From Poland cost got Celtic ten million, and I don't think anything's yeah. very good. I think Glenn Kamara is will offer a team twice, three times as much as from Poland does. I know age is a thing. Yeah, I wouldn't so, disagree with that. Actually, that's good business from Celtic. Ten I, million yeah. from Poland. <laughs> well, when, you, when you think of the set, the sell-on fee that Man City had, so they're gonna get what thirty percent? I think it was quoted of that is it fee. As much as that? Well, fair enough. I think it was a hefty sell-on fee because I think City knew they were gonna. They were kind of getting rid of a decent young player, so I think they were keen to get at least a bit of money back from the future sales. So, ten ten million is still a good good initial fee for Frimpong, but I think Celtic won't see all of that money go back into their pockets. Uh, Struan, what about yourself? Who who's who's been a good? What's been a good bit of business for you in, in your eyes? Um. I was thinking more about free signings in recent years. I think James Milner is probably one of those ones you have to consider as being one of the best given everything he's done for Liverpool, where he can play all sorts of positions. Is always there, always reliable. But I'm I'm going to go for a more recent one. Suarez, Atletico Madrid got him for mm. free, and he's the top scorer in La Liga. Atletico Madrid, I think, are ten points ten clear points of Barcelona clear, yeah. and Real Madrid, and have a game in hand. And he's been absolutely sensational for them. When you look at Barcelona, you just think. His replacement effectively was Martin Braithwaite. You just wonder how a player like that could go. Because I know Suarez is, you know, he's, he's old, quote unquote. Now he turned thirty-four a few days ago, or maybe a week ago. But I still think he has a lot to give. I don't think that old tag really is as relevant in football. Man, to get a player of Suarez's ability for free, I think is absolutely crazy. Especially if Atletico do go on to win the league, I think that'll be highlighted as one of the best signings in the summer that we've seen. Yeah, can't disagree. Cannot disagree. Uh, I'll chuck my because I had two for this one like yourself, Jamie. I'll chuck I'll chuck in a couple here. I think Chelsea again, uh, recouping money spent and building on what they spent. Uh, Papi Gilaboji, a, a centre back who famously played one minute of of his career at Chelsea Football Club, uh, coming on in the last minute. I think early stages of the League Cup in September October time when he signed played for the last minute in that game, was never seen in a Chelsea shirt again. Chelsea paid two million for him and sold him on to Sunderland for eight. So when was this? I don't remember. I was gonna say I've never heard of this boy, but he's only played a minute then maybe that's I think they signed him FIFA. They signed him on what you say twenty sixteen. Sold him on summer twenty seventeen. Jesus. As recent as that. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Can't say I've ever heard of him, so that's a very good trip. And then another one I feel I kind of took, took inspiration off uh, Michael Cox tweeted this out and I kind of had a look into it and just to see how true it was and definitely is. Uh, Athletic Bilbao obviously sold a certain Spanish goalkeeper to <laughs> Chelsea for a world, world record fee for a goalkeeper of uh, £71 million. 
And for a club that only actually recruits players from the Basque country, to find a suitable replacement goalkeeper was going to be a fair task. But they've actually upgraded and have not spent any money on getting uh, Unai Simon in from their academy. And he is already an improvement on what Kepa was and has done very, very well, if not even better than what Kepa did for the club. So selling a player on for £71 million and then having an academy-made replacement sitting, waiting to go on and do better than what Kepa did. Ah, fantastic. Fantastic in my eyes, to be honest. Right. Let's get going properly after 20 minutes of discussion. We're going to be kicking off our show proper up here in Scotland, get to chewing some football. For the first time in a while, we had a normal league weekend to get through in both the Premiership and Championship. And we'll start with what could arguably be the biggest news of the football and weekend in Scotland as we've had another sacking and this time lies in Ayrshire. Alex Dyer has left his position at Kilmarnock uh, after suffering a 3-2 home loss to St Johnston despite taking a 2-0 lead in the match, leading the Saints at half-time. Ideally, we'd have had Sean McGill on this episode to talk about Dyer in much greater detail, but he is otherwise preoccupied. So, Jamie, I'm going to come to you first for this one. That, that loss saw Dyer hold the worst points per game record of any Kilmarnock manager. With that as a kind of contributing factor, as well as everything else that had gone on, was it the right decision from Kelly to part ways? Yeah, probably. I'm not sure you could really defend uh, defend Alex Dyer too much. Um, it's just not been good enough. Um, mm. I think the manner of the defeat on Saturday as well, obviously, was not very good. Going to 2-0 lead and then uh, you know concede... Uh, three goals in less than 20 second half minutes and um, you know effectively just crumbled um, just yeah just wasn't good enough Look, and it hasn't been good enough for some time a lot of Kelly fans gripes with Alex Dyer has been that he hasn't really um, changed the team up from the bench or anything hasn't utilised his substitutes um, during games and again it seemed to be I was reading a little bit of kind of Kilmarnock fans' views at the game during the game on Saturday, and and they um, wanted a change to be made, kind of at half time. And and again, Alex Dyer didn't turn to his bench until the 89th minute, where he brought on Danny Whitehall for George Oakley, a, a straight swap in the mm-hmm. 89th minute when they're three uh, two down. Just I don't really know what that was supposed to achieve. Um, and uh, you know, going by what a lot of Kilmarnock fans were saying, they were two 0 up in the game, but you could tell that they needed to change it up or else. St. Johnson would come back into the game and that's exactly what happened, obviously. So I think it's just a bit of deja vu, to be honest, not utilising the bench and just not really being good enough, as I say. So I think um, Kilmarnock had to part ways or else they would find themselves in even deeper trouble than they currently are in with regards to the the table. Now, I swear I'm not saying this with a smile on my face, but you're right in saying that Kilmarnock are in quite deep trouble. And they're going to need someone to come in, obviously, and try to bail them out of it. Graham, there's been a few names being discussed as to who takes over at the Ayrshire Club. Uh, the kind of fans' favourite pick seems to be Tommy Wright at the moment. However, there's still been shouts for the likes of Stephen Robinson, Gary Holt, even Craig Levine to an extent. Who, <laughs> who could you see being drafted in to save Kilmarnock's season? I would like to think, from a Kilmarnock if I was looking from a Kilmarnock perspective, that Tommy Wright would be the name they get in. It's just a matter, a matter of money and financial mm. capabilities for them. Alex Dyer has let, left the club. He didn't get sacked because it's sacking that would sacking him would cost Kilmarnock too much money. 
is the understanding I have of the situation. But I would I would be hopeful of Ansgar Barnett fan for Tommy Wright would do an excellent job at St Johnston. He might improve their football too, because something I think about Alex Dyer is if a manager is getting the poor results that Kelly had, but they're playing nice attractive football and they're trying to score goals and involved in exciting games, you give them more leeway. But even without it's not that the worst squad in the league come on it, but they are the worst team to watch in the entire Scottish Premiership in my opinion. So when that happens you've got you've got you've got no room you've got no excuse for not getting results if you're gonna play ugly. And he will be deservedly sacked and hopefully Tommy Wright, in my opinion, comes in and changes the culture of the club and as well as the fortunes and results. I think based on that, it def- definitely sounds like he, Tommy Wright would be the best shout. I mean, Stuart, what would you make of someone uh, like Gary Holt, who I think Sean had said that it kind of, it, it was all, it almost kind of be appeasing to fans, kind of Gary Holt come on at fan and everything like that. Any chance that there would be success for him, or I think Stephen Robson was the favourite, I want to say, on Sunday. I could be wrong on that with the, with the odds I saw, but what, what, what do you reckon about the situation? I mean, yeah, he is, he is the Kilmarnock fan, but I'm not quite sure he'd get the best results. I think personally Robinson or Wright would be the two best options for the job currently. So we'll just kind of need to wait and see what happens with Kelly in the in the days to come because you would think that they were going to try and name a replacement as soon as possible. Uh, let's move on to uh, one of the other games. Uh, Dundee United took on Hibs at Tanadai, suffered a 2 a loss and... It was kind of Hibs getting back to winning ways after a, a bit of a stumble over the over the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, losing two games on the bounce in the league. Uh, well, two two games on the bounce, one in the league to Rangers, and that god awful performance in the in the uh, Betfred Cup semi final. Uh, goals from Martin Boyle and Darren McGregor of all people sealed it for Jack Ross's men. Struan Hibs went into the the game with one win from the last seven in all competitions. How important was it for them to turn this corner? Yeah, it was absolutely massive, especially for somebody like Jack Ross, who's had a lot of questions fired his way. There's quite a lot going on off the pitch as well with Hibs involving transfer rumours at the moment. So I think this this game was the perfect opportunity to just stay focused and get back into form. Dundee or Dundee United are not in a really done the best run so this is a very good opportunity and Hibs were able to take it and it's always nice to see Darren McGregor score and the little Australian link up between Irvin and Boyle You get two assists Irvin, he got the first one as well uh, I think it ricocheted the first one to oh, no, he might have actually gotten the first assist yeah, first one was like a corner or something was it not? And yeah it, sort of it was a corner and then cleared. it came out to McGregor. I thought Reynolds sort of cleared it or something and McGregor just lashed it in I've yeah. not heard his name mentioned in a while, though, actually, to be fair. That, that Rick O'Shea boy, he's... It was, uh, yeah, according to the live score, it was... Uh, shocking. <laughs> shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was a Jackson Irvine assist, so, yeah. Really good performance from him. And you mentioned transfer rumours there. I think the one, kind of, we, we'd be a bit remiss to talk about it, uh, Kevin Nisbet is supposedly handed in a transfer request to the hierarchy at Hibs after the club supposedly rejected a bid in excess of three million pounds for the striker from Birmingham City, who just clearly want Scottish Premiership strikers this window. They've already taken Sam Cosgrove down south, just wanting to improve on their strike force, and that's just one for any of the any English fans listening who call it, call this a Scottish football tin pot. Why are your clubs looking to buy Scotland's best players? Scotland's best players. Well, I mean, not. 
I don't know. I think I think Birmingham fans are in for a fright, to be honest. I looked at Aberdeen's <laughs> tweet. Aberdeen's uh, announcement where they said Sam Cosgrove had departed the club. And all the Birmingham fans were replying saying, like, literally just took your best player. And I was like, Jesus, you're in for a, in for a shock, I think. <laughs> how, how much was it for Cosgrove? About a million? Two million. Two million. Birmingham City have got money to spend this window, clearly. Uh, Strain, do you reckon... How, how do you think that oh, this will kind of affect us going into the rest of the season? Because you would imagine that he stays because it's probably too late to sort anything now. But where, where do you see him going the rest of the season? Obviously, he's top scorer this season and well within a shout for the Euro squad come the summer. Should be in that squad. Um, yeah, I think I think I just have to get on with it. It's never great when a player hands in a transfer request and they don't get it and they're forced to stay. But at the same time, I, I don't think he's the sort of player to really sort of down tools. I think he'll keep playing and potentially put his price tag up come the summer. But I'd be surprised if this time next season he is still a Hibs player. I think I think he'll go in the summer. And I think it'll be the same for Ryan Porteous, if I'm honest. I think, think, I think the bigger this... word... Sorry, I was just gonna I was just gonna ask you if you if this was the summer window, do you think Hibs would accept that three million bid? There's there's so much talk about the January window. Obviously, it's not an ideal time to, to sell players, especially not on deadline day. Do you think if this was the summer window, the middle of the summer window or something, Hibs would think about selling Kevin Nisbet for three million? I, th- I think it would depend on if there was somebody lined up to replacement. I mean, obviously, it was 300,000 he was bought for, maybe 250. Dunfermline will get a good amount themselves. But I think to make that kind of profit after just one season is almost, it's almost too good. And yeah, I think it's too good to turn down. Yeah, and linked with somebody like Fraser Hornby recently as well. You know, there are good options out there. And I think it's the same with Ryan Porteous, in all honesty. If there is a good price out there, somebody like Liam Lindsay, who I think would be a fantastic signing for Hibs, in all honesty. But now he's now he's being tipped to go to Preston with Ben Davis going to uh, to Liverpool. So mm. I, th- I think Porteous will definitely stay until at least the summer. But I think even, even from Nisbet's point of view, the better chance to get into the Scotland squad might be staying at Hibs. Just just in case he sort of gets lost down in Birmingham, doesn't necessarily get as many starts. But I, th- I think Hibs would accept that sort of money because it's it's almost too good to turn down, especially with the price. And there was even the link, of, uh, the rumor of Lee Griffiths coming back as well at one point. So it seems there's quite a few strikers who Hibs have got an eye on at the moment, including Lauren Shanklin, apparently. As right. Would you take Shankland off the back of this I, season, I, I, though? I, I still would. He's playing, given his situation. But Dep- just, depending on what the fee is. The tweet in there it was sent by Sean. The tweet from me, Stevie J- Jensen. I don't know how uh, valid he is and how, or how good a source he is, but he said there's a set the time for Birmingham City, Kevin Nisbet, with a medical book late today. Hibs are interested in Dundee forward Lauren Shankland. But United want a six figure fee. Yeah, United would sell their skin, their yeah. proper skin. And I think, um, I think that Shankland would still be a great signing. I think, I think you're, I think you're right. I think, I think that's right. definitely better than what could be the reality. In all honesty, it's relevant. It's relevant because Hibs played Dundee United. I mean, how big was it for Hibs to win? It was massive that they got to play Dundee United, who are one and one in ten, and look honestly like relegation candidates. Yeah. That's the form they've fallen, and the, the style they play is so negative that. It's going to yeah. affect Shanklin. But yeah, if you move to Hibs, Hibs play more for, Hibs aren't the free flowing attacking juggernauts, but they're going to attack more than Hibs than the United, and they're going to be the best team in most games they play. So it's a good move. Spot on. I agree with pretty much every word of that. I think uh, mm-hmm. you can you can kind of criticise Shanklin's form, and and obviously that's that's fair enough because 
you know, obviously he he hasn't been good enough, but um, I think you do need to look at the kind of style of play. And, you know, is he suited by Dungeon United's style of play? No. <laughs> um, and, you know, would he be more suited at, at Hibs? It's a simple move, but I think it's one of those where if Hibs were to sell Nisbet, if Hibs were to sell Nisbet, they would need to get Shankland in. So this is a this is going to be a, a circle of um, of a deal. So if if, Nis- if Shankland's going to come to Hibs, Nisbet's going to go. And if Nisbet's going to go, then Shankland needs to come in. It's as simple mm-hmm. as that, really, I think. One can not happen very- without the other. Yeah, exactly. Hibs aren't going to sell Nisbet unless he can get Shangland and uh, yeah, basically. Certainly could see it, to be honest. I think if push comes to shove, I think Hibs could take the money, especially if they do agree a deal with Shankland. And to be honest, there's always been talk about Shankland being kind of big enough and good enough to command bigger fees from down south anyway. So, I mean, it might be smart business for Hibs eh? Look, looking towards the future, but that that could that is yet to be seen either way. Uh, one player definitely away from Hibs today is Stevie Mallon off to Turkey on loan, joining tenth placed Yeni Malatias Malatyaspor. <laughs> that thanks thanks. That's that's the worst pronunciation since Jamie called Finn Sparrow's Harry Potter spell. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Yeni Malatyaspor. Uh huh. Yeah, that no, that's fine. That's fine. Just a, just a wee stumble in the middle. Just couldn't read more writing. Strun, what what do what do you make of uh, Malin being away? I mean, I'm not too too bothered to be perfectly honest. You know, I I said in the group chat, you know, if nothing else, he brought creativity, and I think a few people pointed out the the term in that sense of nothing else. You know, I think I don't think he was ever really a first choice player. He came came up with the odd screamer here or there, and. As he does produce creativity, but at the same time, if Hibs are willing to let him go, I just don't really see him getting much game time. In all honesty, I, I won't lose any sleep over it. That's probably how how I would sum up. Completely fair. Good move for him, maybe very very random. I, I have to be honest; I wouldn't have expected that sort of deal, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, so I suppose that kind of sums it up, really. Uh, let's move on because the, Graham mentioned it in the big question. There was a bit of an upset the, this weekend. Uh, St Mirren won at Celtic, didn't they? Didn't they? Uh, one away at Celtic Park, 2-1 uh, scoring either side of an urgent Edward equaliser. Uh, Graham, do, do you want to just have like a couple of seconds just to kind of get it out now? No, I think we should save it. Okay, we have a we can have a nice long chat about Celtic because it's always very enjoyable. But what I like, to, what I kind of prefer to do is when result that this happen is is first of all you need to praise the team that won. Absolutely, and, oh, St. Mirren were fantastic. And, and St. Mirren were excellent. They did something that I've wanted teams to do in Celtic for months. I, this is something I've kind of mentioned like in the cup final to, to Jamie. We could kind of have a mini argument about the team selection once. And my that, one of my points is also that you need to get at Celtic and Hearts mm. do it in that cup final. And St. Mirren did that anyway. Saturday. Yeah, the first half, and that's what I was complaining about. But St. Mirren did that. They went from the, from the kickoff, they went straight out of Celtic's defence, and it worked, it worked out for them because it unsettled them. And if you unsettled them at the start, it's going to make them insecure for the rest of the game, and that proved because both goals are very, very poor defending from Celtic's point of view. And that is, while Celtic were absolutely dreadful in this game, St. Mirren forced them to be dreadful by how aggressive they were and how brave they were because it's really tough on the Celtic part even with this current Celtic shambolic situation 
No, I think I think it definitely kind of spoke volumes. That, that this was something that Jim Goodman I think said in his uh, pre-match press conference and stuff. He said that they were going to go out and attack, like, and they struck stuck true to their word. Uh, I think that the less said about Shane Duffy's defending, especially for the second goal, the better. Nah, let's talk about it. <laughs> was it defending though? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there. Is like Shane Duffy has just been a point of conversation throughout this entire season. Is there a shout for him to be considered as the worst ever signing in Scottish football? I think from a heart's point of view, I'll put in here. players in the summer you could put into that. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, I mean, the countless number of duds that Hearts have signed over the last like three or four years, are, I think, are probably up there. But uh, yes, Shane Duffy is is definitely up there as well. Probably because of the expectation that he brought. You know, I, look, I'll hold my hands up, and I'm sure you probably thought similar that Shane Duffy would probably come up and and be an okay signing for Celtic. Um, Obviously, he had played in a Brighton team under Chris Hutton that was relatively solid at the back, and everybody considered him to be relatively no nonsense. And obviously, you see the tweet now, considering he's a no nonsense defender, he's involved in, a, in an awful lot of nonsense. And uh, that's that's just it. Shane Duffy just hasn't really cut the mustard at all, or even looked. Uh, I don't know if it's a question of professionalism or if he's just not good enough because. You know, Shane Duffy, as I say, was a good player down in, in the Premier League, but he's come up, and I don't know if he's come up and thought, oh, I would, he would stroll it. I, I don't know, but it's just really not worked out at all for, for either party. I saw quite a good comparison in talking about it in that. When when he was at Brighton, he was very much sort of defending in his own box. You know, it would always be him and Dunk, sort of. Brighton would never really have much of the possession. And then the change going to Celtic, he far more in the positions, more defending on the halfway line more than anything. It's almost a bit like sort of being a defender and what a Guardiola team can be. Obviously, that is not a comparison between Celtic and Manchester City. I need to make that <laughs> clear before I get completely taken out of context. But I think it's it's just almost a different type of defending. And I, I personally thought it was going to be an excellent signing, to be honest. I thought he wouldn't walk the Scottish League, but I thought he would look very, very good in it. On And what already there was a very good Celtic side, I thought, leading up to the summer. But it's just not worked out at all. He's just not been able to adapt. And it is his boyhood club, apparently, but you, you wouldn't really know that almost. What what else can be said about Shane Duffy, to be honest? It's been a, a roller coaster of a, of a transfer yeah. period for him at the time in his, time in his career at Celtic. And uh, everyone outside of Celtic has loved watching it, to be honest. I think something that's important that we should do is clarify that this is not a problem at Celtic that's exclusive to Shane Duffy. He's just kind of like the picture, the pictures you see of Duffy, the most funny visuals to see. They're the ones that are easily digested, all that, so he kind of gets the brunt of it. But it's kind of like a part of people think that this is a blip for Celtic, a blip Celtic season, and the next two Celtic will go back to their normal best. I just personally, I do not see that. I was kind of thinking to myself how long could, could Rangers get mile ahead and become like the dominant force for a little bit not to the extent Celtic have been so I looked at Celtic's team and I, I think you think the argument that in the summer Celtic are going to sign 10-11 players in arguably every single position other than central midfield and based on Celtic's recruitment policy that's not something I expect to be an easy task for them no, I think I I definitely see some truth in that. To be honest, I just I think and he's these... a bit of a scapegoat. He's not a scapegoat because he's dreadful. Yeah, no, uh-huh. yeah, because yeah. he is he is but... bad. But 
it's easy to look at Shane Duffy and go, he's terrible. It's not as easy to look through the Celtic squad and go, well, they need a right back and they need probably three. I was going to go, so they probably need three centre halves, and well, they don't have any good left backs, so they're going to need two left backs. And James Forrest is their only winger, but he's not fit, so they need two or three wingers as well. Strikers. You have to actually think about that. Whereas Shane Duffy, you can look at his, that second that goal that Okay Durham has scored on Saturday and go, ha ha, Duffy, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the kind of situation, and Celtic transfer business is terrible. The other thing I did last week, like my pal did it, and I just thought, I'll just see what's happened. Just compared Rangers and Celtic transfers over the last decade, and obviously they're not that comparable because Rangers died. But <laughs> <laughs> just, I was taking around all the branch a little bit. Like Celtic have wasted since 2008. This is it's a bit more a decade. 90 million on trans- players. And obviously they have recouped from Gasly. They have. I we went through the transfer windows. Celtic have spent ninety million pounds on players that have been failures. Wow, that's embarrassing. And there have been successes in there, and a lot of their best signings have actually been really cheap options from Pong and Bailey, so forth. But ninety million on players that haven't worked out at Celtic. That's embarrassing. It's poor, and for a club that generates, you would argue the greatest amount of income in in Scottish football they can't they don't really look really <laughs> like they want to make a change to their problems at the moment I mean their their business this January uh, I think also what Lennon used I think they were gazumped by Liverpool, yeah, by Liverpool yeah. into into the Ben Davies situation because they look kind of set to bring him in on a pre-contract and then Liverpool decide to muscle in and throw two million at Preston and Celtic were gazumped by that do you think uh, Celtic could have acted quicker and gotten that done? Or do you think he, there was always this Liverpool? Because we've only really seen the Liverpool news come out in the last few days, whereas the Celtic interest has been there for a couple of weeks. Do you think that's there's always been that offer from Liverpool on the table and that's why it's sort of been slower? Do you think Celtic were maybe just a little bit slow to react to this one? Especially with his contract expiring in the summer, he would have been free then. Perhaps, yeah. Uh, yeah, I could see it. Um, and then currently they kind of look to be set to announce John Joe Kenny from Everton coming in on a loan taken at the end of the season. What um, Any thoughts on that whatsoever? Fair play to anyone joining Celtic at this stage of the season. It's, just, it's, a, it's okay, John Joe Kenny. It's a loan sign. Really, what's the point in buying a loan sign? Do you have something to play for this season? Yeah. yeah it's a bit weird, um, isn't it? I know they're saying it's, it's, it's leading on getting very, very long. Do you want to hear a list of Celtic failures, though? Over the oh, this, oh, this could be long. <laughs> this could be very uh, long. I won't give the transfer fees, because that would take long, but I'll just go to the name. Okay, uh, Donati, Hinkle, Lewins, Fortuny, Hoyveld, Danny Fox, it's, uh, Juarez, Daryl Murphy, Bangura, Bo Richter, Puke, Baldi, Skipovic, Semenovic, Shifty, Kuasi, Gamboa, Jack Hendry, Marvin Comper, Johnny Hayes, Charles Masonda, Bio, Shved, Julian, Klamala, Bongoli, El Hamid, Taylor, Ajeti, Barkas, Duffy, Laxalt. And obviously not all of them are major busts. But that's a long list of shite players. I guess <laughs> it's just so much satisfaction right now. I have a lot of angst for the last ten years to get off my chest. I'm gonna fucking do it. <laughs> I don't think anyone can blame you for it either. Good God, that is oh. that is shocking. 
That's a long list of names, goodness me. Nadia I've, Sifchi. I've made, I've made God the panel speechless. Yeah, to, I, 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 I don't know what to add to that, to be honest. I feel like there was somebody, like a few, that you said a few like near the end who I thought was maybe half decent, but I'm kind of doubting it now, and I yeah, can't remember who it was because there was so many. <laughs> Like, it, really isn't, it, really it was near. Really it was near Gamboa, just before Gamboa. Uh, Semenovich, maybe. Semenovich, yeah, yeah. It was he six, that was six point, right, six, around six point five million for him. Oh. Was that how much he was? He paid six and a half million for Semenovich. Oh, Jesus. and they lost him on a free. Did he not leave it in the end of his contract? I'll just double check that. That's what. Because because he was part of the invincible team and stuff like that. And I know that doesn't necessarily make you a good sign and just winning the trophies but I, th- I thought he was okay at Celtic to be honest I think he'd walk into the team at the moment if he was if he was still there oh, although I suppose it. if you think back to his career his only really memorable moment was that, that tackle on Miller <laughs> that's, that's, that is probably it for <laughs> him. Bad, like, 6.5 million did he give 6.5 million value to those 6.5 million for one tackle what was Connor Goldson like 5 what was Connor 3, 4 something like that 3 years well that that's kind of stunned us all in the silence. Uh, we'll move we'll move our we'll move our focus down south, but not before we just throw this in quickly. It just breaking while we were while we've been recording. Uh, it has been reported that Morelos, our Rangers have accepted the violent conduct charge against Alfredo Morelos, and the striker is now going to be banned for three games. Of course, for the alleged stamp on Ryan Porches in their one 0 victory at Easter Road. Thoughts about thoughts about this? It's fair enough. Deserved. Deserved to be banned. I guess. I'd like other players to be banned. Doesn't see, seems like there's a. Tommy McGregor by any chance. Yeah. <laughs> stamped in the same game and then explained how Morales was a stamp, but also indicted himself. Seems pretty clear to me. I, like I listened to Stuart Kettlewell on uh, on Sports Sound at the weekend. Was that the weekend? I can't remember now. I listened to Stuart, Kett- Stuart Kettlewell on Sports Sound, and uh, he was going on about how Morelos has justified a, a suspension, and um, Darren McGregor's didn't. And he tried to argue that uh, McGregor's was accidental and Morelos's was not. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I've always got bias. I think Morelos has to be suspended. He stamped on a player. I would just like to see consistency held up, and I don't think it is. Right, we'll move our focus down south and talk about some English entertainment from the past weekend. It was another full set of Premier League fixtures to get through. And another top six, or big six class rather, that didn't really offer much in terms of a decent uh, final score or anything of the like. Uh, Arsenal United played it as a nil-nil draw. Arsenal arguably the better of the two teams in the in the game, despite, uh, despite Man United having a couple of... Chances to win late on, yeah, of course you would. <laughs> uh, look, look, our, I, I think our Arsenal probably deserved the point more than Man United did. To be honest, I mean, yes, Man United took a couple of late chances, but I feel like Arsenal did more than I expected them to, especially when I saw the starting lineups come out. But you, you're obviously going to have a, li- a little bit of bias, strewn, but I'll, I'll let you voice your opinion. Yeah, I'm. I'm just sort of sick of the fact that that's United's fourth nil nil against the top six. 
I know obviously Boring. the optimist in me would say that that's four clean sheets and it's Maguire and Lindelof who have been When have you them. ever been optimistic about Man United but though? I, that's yeah exactly I'm just I'm at that point now I'm just trying to find some kind of positive but again it was just a game where United did take the chances in the final third I think momentum kind of went away when McTominay went off with stomach cramp Martial's just really not at it this season at all I think that Sheffield United game really highlighted that and it's just it's just another boring game. I think Arteta made a really good uh, change at half time where he brought Willian on for Martinelli, which sounds daft, but United were getting a lot of joy down that right hand side because Martinelli wasn't tracking back, and then Willian did, and therefore it just just sort of cut out. And it was just just another boring game in the Premier League, to be honest. Amongst these these big clashes, we've been I know I know I mentioned the United nil nils, but I feel across the board we have often been let down unless Liverpool are playing because they tend to do it against the big teams. I mean that that was the third time that Man United have dropped points in their last four games. Is recent recent to be worried potentially? Uh, I, I don't know if I'd say worried. I mean, I've I've never really been carried away in this title race because there there are still too many issues within that squad, and I think I think the Sheffield United game was probably one of the worst games I think under Solskjaer, definitely the worst United played this season. Even with VAR coming out today, saying there was a couple of decisions that were made that were wrong United didn't, didn't deserve to win that game regardless I mean Ollie Burke got what four four shots in a row inside the box that's, that's I think it's just pathetic but I, I, I do believe this season top four is, would still be United's hope I think when you look at the way Man City are starting to run away with it Liverpool are getting into great form it looks like they're signing two centre-backs today as well so I'd expect it to probably just to be the top two again as usual and then the rest of the teams find out for the other spots it's just a lot of players looking looking tired at this point for United as well. I think there's been far too much reliance on Rashford and Bruno to get the goals, especially with, as I said, Marshall's not been at it at all this season. Mm. And Cavani's coming and going. Aye, he comes, he comes and goes to Cavani. I, I, still, I still think he should be United starting tricker, but... I, th- I think he is now the first. I don't even think Marshall's the first choice player anymore. I think if you were to pick a front three, you'd probably go with Cavani, Greenwood and Rashford. You start Greenwood over Marshall, would you? I think I would because Martial can't play on the right for whatever reason. Right, okay. Barely ever featured out there. And I'd, I'd much rather have Rashford and Cavani starting ahead of him. Which uh, is just, quite sad given Cavani's territory for next month. Eh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. We've seen, we've seen uh, veteran strikers Luis Suarez is doing bits this season, of course. You mentioned it already, so no reason to why Cavani yeah. couldn't. No, I just feel you'd, you'd want your young, hungry strikers like Martial to be pushing for his place, but he's, he's just not quite. Ah, well... 50 million for Marcel mate. it might come good if, if he costs 50 million he will have won the Ballon d'Or which is quite crazy oh here we go are you bringing that's up the, the Ballon d'Or clause again the kind of contracts that Man United <laughs> arrange tremendous a Ballon d'Or clause before we move on I, t- I take it just one last thing about this game that clip of troops for Barstool Sport that, that was just a bit ridiculous oh, the one there. about William um, I mean, why is he? Why is he? If it's supposed to be a group of Arsenal fans, why is he the only one acting like that? What What is going on, on there? Because he's on camera. I, I I don't see what the need is personally. I've not seen it, so I can't comment. Is, is it the one where he goes on about William after the FA Cup? Yeah, I know. I so yeah. it's the one that's just done the rounds like after the weekend there. I, yeah. I I, I think we've all been angry at our clubs, like very angry. I've never ever been as angry as that. That is fake. No, yeah, I, exactly. I've n- I've never had that anger. Like, I mean, I've I've been at a match. I've shouted at a ref for like a minute, and then I've been like, "All right, 
that's fine. But I've not gone on like a full like two minute rant where I'm literally screaming at the top of my voice. Like I I don't know if, if something bad happens with my team, I get more deflated than I do angry. Yeah, I think it's more just like doom and gloom for me rather than actual anger. I'm just a bit. I I just never seen. I mean, I'm, there's there's all for building a reputation on social media, but there's just, then just selling a fake version of a character. Like, I I just don't understand it personally. But that's just me. Uh, we'll move on, and Jamie, I'll come to you here because we'll mention the first win of the Thomas Tuchel era. Uh, Chelsea beating Burnley at home 2-0. Goals coming, quite surprisingly, the first goal of the new manager came from Cesar Azpilicueta in the first half, and then Marcus Alonso, of all people, uh, brought back into the starting eleven by Thomas Tuchel. His first appearance since that game away to West Brom, the three-all draw. And he very nicely controlled a cross from Pulisic and fired it into the uh, past Nick Pope to give Chelsea their second and a 2-0 win. Uh, what, what did you make of the Chelsea performance here? Because once again, it was dominant. It, it was keeping the ball. It was forcing chances through. And I feel like they were a lot better at kind of breaking through the Burnley defence than they were Wolves at, uh, midweek. Yeah, they should have had a lot more goals in the end, to be honest, and they did. Um, they were very dominant, very comfortable in possession. Um, Burnley were very organised. They sat pretty deep. Um, the first goal from Aspilicueta actually came from a kind of a bit of a break, if you like. Burnley had kind of pushed a few people forward and Jorginho picked out a lot of space in the middle of the park, passed it to, I can't remember who he passed it to now, but it was a big bit of space in the middle of the park. The ball went right as Aspilicueta got round Hudson and Doyle on the overlap and uh, I think it took a wee deflection to be honest, but it was a, it was a good finish nevertheless and um, yeah, very comfortable performance to be honest, but obviously the big game on Thursday against Spurs now, so we'll see how they get on there. I make makes it a bit more interesting because that's uh Chelsea and Spurs both sitting sixth and seventh respectively and uh, both on thirty three points so quite a good opportunity for both of them. I think Chelsea will be want to win this one a lot more than Spurs because Spurs do have the game in hand over the teams above them, uh, having only played twenty instead of twenty one. So I think Spurs will be afforded a loss more than Chelsea would be at this stage anyway, but. I don't, I don't know about you, but personally speaking, Hudson and Doyle needs to start in this game. That's two games that he's played in the right wing back role, you could probably say, for, for Tuchel, and two games that he's won the man of the match. Yeah, I probably wouldn't make many changes, to be fair. Um, I thought it was a, a very good team performance, as I say. I thought they were very comfortable. And Spurs are just a, a bit bad now, to be honest. Mm. So, um, I'm not, you know, without Kane, I think they're pretty toothless. And uh, I, I probably wouldn't make many changes, to be fair, because I think we'll, it'll be a relatively similar game to the Burnley one. I think we'll dominate possession and it'll just be about creating the chances and that. So I, I probably wouldn't have too many gripes if we went with the same team, to be honest. Uh, one kind of part that still could potentially be in motion a little bit. Uh, reports coming out today from a couple of sources, David Ornstein and Matt Law. Matt Law being right up there in names of Chelsea journalists. Billy Gilmer going nowhere on loan. He is staying at Chelsea for the remainder of this season uh, with Tuchel apparently being impressed with what he's seen in training and more than willing to give Gilmore his chance. Does Do we think that kind of hampers him a little bit? Do we think had he gone out on loan he could potentially have almost guaranteed a spot in, or his name being more firmly in contention for... European uh, Championship selection or do we think he could still have his name in the conversation at Chelsea the rest of this season? 
I think he'd still be within a good shout for the Euros. Chelsea have got quite a lot of football coming up with the FA Cup as well. Maybe get a brief cameo in the Champions League, but yeah, I think I think he'll get more first team opportunity towards the end of the season, especially if Tuchel is going to play with two people in the pivot. Jamie, what do you reckon? Uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, he does seem like the kind of manager Tuchel to tinker with his team a little bit and make yeah quite a lot of changes. So I wouldn't be surprised to see potentially Jorginho sacrifice for Gilmore in some games because they do play a fairly similar role, or well, they did in Lampard's team. So you could see them almost molded to be something similar to each other in the Tuchel system. Uh, Graham, let's talk about Liverpool because I feel I feel like this is a reason why you are quite happy to come on today because we kind of saw Liverpool back to their best against West Ham in a 3-1 victory uh, and the second goal in particular uh, you were you were very, very excited about when it went in and rightly so because it was... <laughs> it was a, an unbelievable counter-attack uh, Alexander-Arnold switching over to Shakiri from a corner and then Shakiri running up and putting an inch-perfect crossover to Salah who shouldn't have been able to control it but did and a lovely wee death finish past Fabianski to get Liverpool second of the game. Uh, just very happy with that, I take it then, Graham. Goal of the season, mate. Goal of the season? Yeah, absolutely goal of the season. Show me, a, show me a better goal and I'll wait here, I'll wait here. So we are, it's already a long podcast. Let's just wait in silence. Wait, <laughs> wait in silence until something comes up with a better goal. This season, what a counter-attack! They were very good in the first half of Liverpool, but in the second half they were lethal. The third goal was amazing too, and we're back, maybe. The but was that it? Oh no! Don't clip that. Not the claim. It's a clip. Oh, definitely a clip. Oh, oh, to slip up again. That's a clip. Uh, I'll forget about it to be honest and I'm sure everyone else will as well so you're probably alright mm-hmm, so. uh, what are your thoughts about Activity Day uh, Ben Davis uh, Kubak I think his name is from Schalke uh, yeah potentially yeah. Mustafi is an option oh, he's going to Schalke oh is he going to Schalke Mustafi will go to Schalke and replace Ozan Kubak there's centre backs in or probably centre half they need a centre half in the summer and Kubak was like with them in the summer, so I'm encouraged. I would be encouraged if we got a man with one leg and who if he, if he played centre half, a one legged centre half. <laughs> it's a concept. It's a concept. I could, I'd like to see that happen. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm, I won't pretend to know much about either player. I I don't think you should. Oh, I'd say I wouldn't read into the fact that Kabat plays for Schalke in the because they're bottom of the league. Or probably same player plays for bad teams. And having centre-backs fit gives me optimism for the rest of the season. Lovely stuff. Right, let's move on and we'll come to last it's challenge. Uh, unless, unless we wanted to spend any more time on the game from England, I mean, Leeds got a really good win over Leicester that we've not mentioned. Do we, do we want to have a chat about that? Just a very good, good performance, point. I think. Just a very good counter-attack and away from home display in the Premier League with no fans. We've kind of come to see a lot more away wins and I think that was... Just the kind of perfect away performance, to be honest. That's enough enough to say, I think. I'll pose one question quickly. Uh, we've kind of flip-flopped on opinions on this guy on podcast for the Energy Sport for the past season or so. Paget Bamford, good or bad? Good. There's a good from Graham. Good right I'm not sure you can see anything other than good right now. He's all right. <laughs> I don't think Golden five assists. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had him on my fantasy team for a while and he did nothing, so I took him out. Uh, to be fair, Tanky, you got rid of him. Anyway, he scored, <laughs> you got mega points. Took him out and he's got 15 points. 15 <laughs> points are going to assists. It's uh, not impressed. Not ideal. Struan, good or bad? That's a, game that's, that's a game that suits him, though, sorry. I think he's oh, yeah. away from home, sort of kind of attacking, kind of display. I think that's where he's at his best. Um, you know, he struggled against teams like Brighton at home. The Newcastle game, he didn't didn't contribute. So um, I think he's better when Leeds are kind of at their counter attacking best. Lovely. Struan, good or bad? He seems to be the kind of striker who, if you give him two opportunities, he'll score both of them. But if you give him seven or eight, he'll probably miss all of them. He's the most clinical without being clinical at the same time. It's I'd have to say good, though, because he, he, is, he is doing well. I think he's like the third, third top scorer in the league now. And we're, we're over the halfway stage. I, I did call him Pookie 2.0 at one point, but he's, he's surpassed that now, I would say. Oh, oh, you're forgoing your comparison. He, he is, is that gone? He is fourth at the moment. Technically third because Kane and Son have both got 12. Salah's away in front with 15. And then he's joint on 11 with Fernandez, Calvert-Lewin and Jamie Vardy at the moment all one ahead of Callum Wilson. Lovely. So I think, I think you'd have to say he is good at the moment. Especially when Leeds signed Rodrigo for 27 million and he's barely... Barely done anything. They're playing him in, playing him in centre mid. No, in, no. Yeah, it's that classic of how Bielsa doesn't necessarily believe in strip positions, I think. It does just go to show, though, that Bamford is the one who has the faith, in, especially because they had Eddie and Ketia as well um, on loan last, last season. season yeah. He never really did anything for them, so he's, he's got the faith of Bielsa anyway. I'm just quite glad that Lee's won this one purely for the fact that I, I don't know if I could have sat through another. Uh, punditry segment of Bielsa's system not being suited for the Premier League. I, I don't think I could have done that again. I think can we can we just have like uh, February new month and everything like that. Can we just like go past that point and just judge judge Leeds on a level playing field with everyone else in the Premier League? We don't need to be pernickety about Bielsa's system or what he does. Let let's just say they're a Premier League team just now. Let's just evaluate them as such. We don't need to dig too deep into. Whether it's Bielsa or this or Bielsa or that, let's just judge Leeds. Lovely. <laughs> Glad we're on like demon. Uh, let's move on to the last next challenge, which is where we have a look at the biggest stories we might have missed from around the continent, around Europe, around the world of football, and try and catch them before they fly past us. Messi's contract got exposed, allegedly, or it got leaked, and it's been reported that he makes €256 Euros every minute. That's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> that would pay my rent after just after just over two minutes. If if I was making messy money, uh, surprised that it's that much, or or are we kind of seeing that much and almost expecting it to be that high of a wage, considering how financially troubled Barcelona have been? Yeah, it's a bit weird. You think Messi asking for gold bonuses and he's just scored 650th? I'd have to pay a goal bonus for 650 individual goals. 
I don't know whether I don't know whether you'd be happy or sad about it. Happy because your club's been brought success by one man, but sad because you're being financially bankrupt by a single man's left foot. If he does go anywhere in the summer and clubs are seeing that, I mean, what was it Man City and PSG probably the only two teams in Europe who could afford to pay that? They think they could afford to pay him though, considering how many other kind of big name players are likely to be paying big wages to. I think I think Man City probably could just because I feel they'll get people like Aguero and that shifted from their wage books. And players like Fernandinho and other ones like that, I think they'll probably shift a few on. PSG, uh, I'm unsure. With Neymar and Mbappe on Neymar top of Messi's salary, not a yeah. chance. I, I don't I don't see it personally. Because you look at Barcelona, it's just they're trying to bleed through young kids now and everything like that who won't be on massive wages. They're trying to balance out the wage bill by playing lesser players alongside Messi. But Messi, Messi going is the only way that they're going to be able to sort out their financial crisis, really. Because think of how much money they can afford... Two point six million a week. They're saving ten million a month. They're saving one hundred twenty million every year by not playing, by not having Messi at the club. It's ridiculous. Uh, with the Liga, we've already made the point that Atletico move ten. I've moved ten points clear in the La Liga title race. Uh, Suarez is on top of the Golden Boot race. Uh, sixteen goals strewn, was it? Or fourteen? Fourteen goals in sixteen games. Something like that. We need Sean on. For that. Sean is like the Spanish football man, isn't he? He likes his Atletico. He does like his Atletico. He's, he's so high in Atletico just now. Uh, it's just quite, just quite nice. I, I, I've always kind of had a bit of a soft spot for Atletico since their title win anyway. And kind of that team. I quite liked David Costa in the early stages of Griezmann kind of coming through and making himself a better known player then. Uh, that was always fun. Uh Graham, I've not kept up with much German football over the weekend, and you're kind of the the Bundesliga, eh, the Bundesliga advocate on the on the panel you, these these days. So, what 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 was happening in Germany? It was a quiet week. Uh, Bayern won five one against Hoffenheim. A bogey <laughs> team, a bit of bogey team for them. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry for that. It's just you see quiet week, and then it's a six goal game to kick it off. <laughs> well, just Bayern against Bayern. Yes, Bayern. Bayern winning is a quiet week. The big game like to Leverkusen was a bit disappointing. Dortmund came from behind to beat Augsburg and Eddie did a very poor spell. Uh, I watched Stuttgart Knights on Friday and my boy Silas Wamangatua scored a solo class goal and that made my weekend along with Liverpool, Brazil and Celtic. But not much in the way of meaningful change in the Bundesliga on Saturday. Lovely stuff. Jamie, anything you want to throw in from the kind of continent or the wider world that you, that you will have seen that we've not mentioned already? No, he doesn't. I'll take that as an absolute no. Muted. Uh, oh, he's, not, he's not muted on my end, to be honest, but you know what? If, if, that, oh, if that, I am muted, actually. So. <laughs> I, was speaking, I was speaking and uh, I, was, I didn't realise I was muted there. Uh, we, we didn't speak about the Scottish Championship. Um, oh, we didn't? We quickly, no. quickly moved on. It was another kind of relatively... Um, it, was a, it wasn't a great game at Tynecastle. That was that on Saturday. Um, it was another three points for Harso. It was another big three points. Um, a 1-0 win against Dunfermline is enough to put them 12 points clear at the top of the table. Do you reckon that's uh, it? Reef, I think that's it, yeah. I said before the game, I thought if Hearts had won, um, then that would be it, obviously. Um, Inverness played Dundee at the weekend and Rafe played Dunfermline during the week. So these are the kind of teams around us that are kind of playing each other now. Hearts have just played Rafe, Dunfermline and uh, played Dundee just before the, 
the start of the year as well. Um, so I think that's it now. Big win for our Broth that gets them off the bottom of the table. Um, obviously, you were at the, the Air United Aloha game. Big win for Air. But I'll ask you about Aloha, their bottom of the league now. Do you think that's the team that's that's going to go down? Air haven't scored an awful lot of goals, I don't think, this season. And they shipped four. Aloha shipped four to them at the weekend. Is, yeah. Do you think that's a worrying sign then for, for Aloha? To be honest, they, they look bright at points. I mean, they, the the equaliser, the Troughton goal, just came from absolutely nothing. Sinisalo had come off his line and Troughton just had a goal off the free kick from just just outside the air half and it looped over him. But they kind of grew into the game after that. They had kind of kept most of the ball, but that that only lasted about 10 minutes or so. That kind of lasted until kind of midway through the first half and then air just kind of got control of the game back again and it just didn't look in doubt past... Luke McCowan's uh, first of his two goals to make it 2-1 and then second half it was all all air and the chances that Arbroath had were minimal throughout the rest of the game and they, ju- they just kind of get picked apart I mean Joe Chalmers just kind of ran it in the midfield for air which is something I didn't think I'd ever be able to say and I, I, I don't know they just kind of look leagues apart to be honest and I, w- I wouldn't be surprised let's say but I, I don't doubt that like so our both will probably be sniffing about down there coming into the, end of the I season. I think it's between those two. Yeah, I think it's between those two. Um, I think Morton and Ken Queen of the South have, have shown a bit more um to and I mean Inverness are eighth for now, but they've got a few games in hand. So I think it's gonna be between those two. Uh big win for Rafe against Dundee as well in the other game mm. in the championship. That puts them second. And uh, they played Dunfermline during the week, big derby, which uh, Cameron will be attending, so you need to Oh has he got that locked in today? I believe so. I oh, good was, stuff. I thought he said he was going to that this week, so that'd be a good game as well, one to look mm. out for. I think coming coming into the game at Somerset, Alawa were, I think, <laughs> however many points behind Inverness, like nine points behind, and I think <laughs> Inverness had three games in hand on them, so yes, if they, they had to win that, but now they're looking very, very precarious uh, come, for coming into the season. They could end up playing League One football in 2021-22. Yeah, Alloa play our broth on the fair uh, Alloa play our broth on the fair team and that's that's going to be a big game. Yeah, definitely. Um, a couple of weeks time that's that's a huge game. Hi Jimmy, big fan. Uh, <laughs> a weekly question, is Kai Kennedy the best player in the league? Um he's one of the best young players I would mm. say from what I've what? seen. I've seen a lot of young players in the championship though. I said this to you last week that I was questioning Hearts recruitment policy and I said that I saw a lot of players in the championship that were kind of on loan or had come through academies of teams in the championship and really impressed me whereas kind of Hearts were going for the kind of more experienced players and I was having a go at them for that. Um, scored another really good goal obviously at the weekend as we saw and uh, yeah, so certainly up there. Certainly up there. I watched the highlights for Rafe Dundee and Rafe's uh, Tamosi scored a cracking volley and then Kennedy scored yeah. a wonderful uh, lovely wee curled effort coming in off the, the, off the left I'm, I'm super excited I love that Rafe team I love that Rafe team I love Manny Duku Manny Duku is one of my favourite players in the division I'll yeah. say that right now I'm a massive fan of that Rafe team I think they're really good and uh, I think if they finish in the top four then they could easily easily come up through the playoffs. Ooh, I like that. I like that shout. I could see it to be honest. Yeah, Dundee are just a bit inconsistent, and um, they've got Jason Cumbers. Dunfermline, got <laughs> big Dunfermline or Inverness. I don't know. But um, as for the Premiership, if it's going to be Hamilton, Ross County, Killy, Dundee United, I don't know. I think I could definitely see two teams coming down from the Premiership this season. 
that'd be good fun next season for uh, <laughs> for co- covering that for energy sport. But uh, I'll ju- I'll just chuck in one one shot as a kind of young young player for the rest of the season in the championship. Keep an eye on Corey and Daba. Uh, AR uh, brought up this window from Ipswich on loan. He was due to come up last season uh, on loan, but the kind of red tape just at the very end of the window kind of denied that opportunity. Came up a uh, couple of weeks back. And this was my first kind of chance to see him play and was unbelievable, really, really impressive. Uh, playing out of position, playing as left-back uh, in this one against Alawa, but he usually should be playing centre-back. Had a couple of just blasts up the pitch. Like he just kind of, I think the one I remember definitely was running about kind of 80 minutes, dispossessed uh, Ennis Cameron on the, ed- on the edge of his own box and just ran. Just no one could get on to him, I think. Uh, Hetherington in the Alawa midfield tried to get a challenge and just shrugged them off. Played in Big Daddy was an Atta and Jamie, you'll know exactly how that ended without even having watched the game considering it's Daddy was an Atta. But they, they, <laughs> tw- 21 years old, uh, a ta- looking a talented player and I think he's going to slot in very, very well in the championship this for the rest of the season. Uh, any, anything else before we wrap up, lads? Any other fi- final statements? Any other final bit? Two, P- two P's for you, Jack. Go on. P number one, Paris Saint-Germain lost the first game under British Real Pochettino, 3-2 against Southern Lorraine. They did? Which is a shot. They're now in third place after wins for Lille and Lyon, and we might have a title race in France. Unbelievable. And out further afield in South America, Palmeiras beat Santos 1-0 and won the Copa Libertadores. Oh, that was on Saturday night, wasn't it? I think, was that on the BBC? I think yeah, I remember seeing that was on the BBC. actually... I was going to watch it and just forgot about it. I'm the exact same. I completely <laughs> forgot that that was going on. Things get crazy on a Saturday night sometimes. And I just unfortunately missed it, but I think it's worth mentioning because it's the biggest competition in South America. It absolutely is. You're bang on Can I crap. mention something, actually? <laughs> Go on, man. <laughs> <laughs> what time are we at, Jack? Uh, 74 minutes, but That's let's just keep going. This will take a minute. Uh, Wiccan Wanderers. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is about Hearts and uh, pissing off um, other teams in England. Uh, They're quite good at Wickham, it, to be fair. Wickham Wanderers had uh, a go at Hearts. Uh, Uchi Piazu equalised uh, for Wickham at the weekend. Um, I think he made it one all uh, against Brentford, and they tweeted out that you know half past three or something. Um, Wickham loves you, Uchi, or something. Uh, this message goes out to the Hearts fans that moaned because he slipped when it was raining or something once. Uh, basically, had a go at, at Hearts fans for um, apparently not liking Ikpiazu, which was um, strange because Ikpiazu never really scored for Hearts. He was part of a team that got relegated, and uh, yet he was um, considered a, a cult kind of figure in, uh, in Hearts uh, football and, and kind of Scottish football in general, really, because you know, he scored against Hibs and... and uh, any kind of hearts player that does that usually leaves with the best wishes of the fans. Anyway, Wickham tweeted that out and then went on to lose 7-2. So uh, Hearts admin sent them a tweet back of uh, Uchi Piazu's goal against Hibs. The fans go mental and all that and said uh, the only way is up. Commiserations on the defeat because obviously they're bottom of the league and they lost 7-2. So I thought that was quite funny. Say what you will about Uchi Piazu. I don't care who loves him, but he eats ketchup with his Nandos. So Does he? Yeah, we saw him, Jamie. <laughs> I was going to say, is he? What, well, I forget how many Hearts players we've seen in Nando's. Over the, <laughs> and then Jamie Walker just thinks for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Uchek Pezo eats 
is Nando's with ketchup, which is just a sin in, in everyone's books. So Maybe he has to. You don't know these things. Maybe they're not allowed to eat Perry sauce or something. I don't know. Maybe I... Craig Levine had a had a thing about Perry sauce or something. If, well, if we, ever, we ever, if we ever speak to Craig Levine, we'll find out. And we'll, we'll relay, relay that information on this podcast. All these professional questions, the first one we fire him is one related to Nando's. That's the icebreaker question. <laughs> so what's your thoughts on Perry Perry sauce? What spice do you take? <laughs> More to the point, do you allow ketchup? What spice does Craig Levine take on his Nando's? There's your thing. Uh, oh. <laughs> you, you're nah, Craig, Craig Levine's <laughs> medium, I reckon. Craig Levine just backs a medium. He, he's... I think he'd surprise you. I think he'd, uh, I think he'd be extra hot. Really? Yeah, I think he'd surprise. I think he'd just get on with it. Do you know what I mean? He just wouldn't show any kind of reaction. He would just eat it and just get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> Has a bit of a dodgy tummy the next morning, but regrets. No, it's a good laugh, isn't it? It's a good laugh, isn't it? Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Ah, uh, well, we've heard from Graham. We've heard from Jamie Struan. Any any final comments to make before we round up? Um. Jose Mourinho may may not be the right man for Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, I forgot. Maybe that's too much of a discussion. Leave these big takes to the end of the podcast. We, we, got, we, got, we went a whole podcast almost without saying a manager should be sacked. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say he should be sacked. I said maybe he's not. Do you know what? I'm going to look on the positive. Brighton won their first home game of the season and they're looking quite good above relegation potentially. Uh, no. but but if, I, if I have to go over that? to Europe, Lukaku yeah, and Ibrahimovic have both received a, a one game ban following their tussle in the Italian Cup, which is probably the correct. Give the stat, Graham, because if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's mad. Brighton are actually fifth in the XG table this season. What? Yeah, apparently so. Brighton, obviously, XG, you don't win, you don't get, you don't get Champions League football for being fifth in the XG table. You don't, you should. (laughs) But, like, it should be doing, like, they are, it's kind of hard, they are better than 16th place. It's kind of amazing that that had far ahead. Just, that's all I have to say about that, really. Uh, just suck. coming straight in off going to Aberdeen. Sky Sports right now. West Brom agree loan deal for Arsenal's Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Why didn't he go to Wolves? Wolves should have taken him. Well, he, should have, he should have signed for Wolves in the summer. Don't know why he didn't. Good news for him. I, th- I think, no, the stat that I'd seen about uh, Brighton their last three home gate home wins have come in three different years. <laughs> Which is, is there actually so quite funny. Because in that United game alone, they hit the bar about forty times. <laughs> <laughs> is that just is that just rifled it right up for the season or something like that, or is it just because Neil Mopai is a bit of a cheat and he misses so many chances? Possibly we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not calling anyone a cheat. We're not. We're not going down that avenue. Yeah. All the above, right? I think it's time we. I think it's time we end this because we're just about to hit eighty minutes. I think it is time we end this. So that is all from us <laughs> on this week, this landmark episode of the Football Roundup. Thank you very much to everyone for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Energy Sports Podcast feed wherever you get yours, and follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sport to keep up to date with all of our sports content. Thank you very much to Struan, Jamie, and Graham for joining me today. Make sure to check out Extra Time and the Fantasy Ramble later in the week. But until we see you next, my name is Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.